Are you ready to get into the word? <laughs> I know now you're afraid to answer, but let's stand up and let's read. Let's see what God has to share with us today. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Father God, I thank you for your word and your truth. And Lord, I thank you for the life that is there. Lord, when everything else seems to be draining us, Father, it's your word that fills us. It's your word that brings life again, Father God. And so today, I pray as we release your word, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would translate as only you can. I pray we would uh, forget anything that I've just come up with. Lord, let it just be forgotten. But Lord, everything that is you and your principles and your truth, I pray it be planted deep and that it produce fruit in our lives consistent with righteousness. And the body of Christ said, amen. amen, amen. I'm glad you all know that word. I wanted to share two things with you. Um, I was thinking this week about this passage of scripture. Number one, there's a lot of parables. Have you ever noticed how many parables are in the Bible? Have you noticed that most of them say pretty much the same thing when you begin to sort them out? It, it all has to do with kingdom and it all has to do with um, a time and a decision, I believe. And I was walking around because a couple of weeks ago I shared with you about the good seed and the weeds, remember? in. Um, and I was walking through the building, contemplating what the Lord would have me share. And I'm like, Lord, here we go talking about hell again. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I was just having one of those moments where I was like, Lord, I just, and I felt like the Holy Spirit went, you're coming at this from the wrong angle. You're coming at this from the angle of an unbeliever or for, from a non-believer. I want you to grab hold of the hope that is in, in the passages that I'm, that I'm sharing. And, I, and the Lord just kind of corrected me um, in my own spirit because I have a tendency to go to the negative sometimes. Like when it comes to God and wrath and judgment, because of my upbringing, the Lord has redeemed so much of that in my life. But because of it, sometimes I have a tendency to go toward anytime I hear talk about hell or a t the, the negative side of the nature of God, I can shut down a little bit, but the Lord is all about bringing balance. And see, we are supposed to be heartbroken when we begin to have discussions about hell or we have discussions about harsh judgments or anything like that because you know what? Our hearts are supposed to go out to unbelievers. Our hearts, we're supposed to be moved with compassion toward them. And sometimes I think we miss that. And, and see, man, I'm all about the underdog. I really, they're gonna grab my heart. My kids are like that. Their hearts are always gonna be for the underdog. You just kind of root for them. That's how we're wired. And so sometimes I look at these passages of scripture and I'm like oh great everybody's going to heaven but then these are not but you know what it should break our hearts 
There should be joy in these passages, and there is heartbreak in it because there are some who will make the decision to follow Christ, and there are some who will not make that decision. But I love that Jesus makes it as simple as he possibly can, and because he's like... He's like the master teacher. I was thinking about it. You know, in this chapter, in chapter 13 of Matthew, there are actually seven times that the Lord says, the kingdom of heaven is like. 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 And he begins to share these parables, sharing what the kingdom of heaven is like. And teachers, you know the power of repetition. When there's something that you really want to get the point across in, there's a repetitive nature to it. And I look at this and I see what an amazing outstanding teacher he was. I think about he uses these parables in such a, a, a wonderful way and they are always uh, congregationally relevant because he speak, the people he's speaking to, he's giving the examples that are most relevant to the people. So he's talking to fishermen and he's giving us, a, a, telling about, us about what a fisherman in a net because there are fishermen in the congregation I mean, he talked about weeds and gardens because there were farmers in there. He speaks about leaven and bacon because there are women who were baking and doing. He speaks to his congregation in such a way that he just wants them to get it. He just wants them to get it. So he's trying every way he can. It's like Pastor Kevin and all of the the props that he brings. He doesn't do that just because it's fun. Well, okay, partially because it's fun. It's like he's like next week I would like a giraffe, and uh, you know what would be really cool? <laughs> Not a real giraffe, okay? But wouldn't it be cool if we all brought in like a little giraffe of some kind and we just like filled his office up with them? <laughs> Is that just me or does that sound fun? <laughs> You know, the last Tommy was gone. I hope he's not watching. Um, they don't have television in Timbuktu. It's fine. And um, that's not where he is. <laughs> well, last time he was gone, I took a graphic giraffe stencil and did it behind his office door so that when he wouldn't see it when he walked in, but when he sat down at his desk, there would be a giraffe looking at him. <laughs> did you know he knew it was me? He didn't even ask anybody else if they did it. Anyway, I'm just putting it out there. It could be an idea. If you want to participate, I'll expect a giraffe next week and I'll put your name on it. It's fine. But he was a master teacher. And the parables that he shared, do you know that there were 24 parables in 28 chapters in Matthew? I mean, 24 parables. He so, he so loved the people that he wanted to get the point across. And he knew that there were some who just weren't getting it. So he was giving every example. Well, it's like this. Oh, wait, it's like this. And he just wanted to, wherever they were sitting, whatever they were doing, I feel like when he was teaching these parables, he was getting the key to different ones. Okay, this one will unlock it in that life. This one, they'll understand it and it'll unlock it in that life because his heart is always for you to get it. And so the disciples go to him and they're like, oh, uh, actually chapter 10, the disciples go to him and go, 
Why do you keep talking to them in parables? Why do you keep, why, why do you keep doing this? And, and he is so patient and he's so good because that's just Jesus. And he, in chapter 10, Jesus tells them, because guys, you know, you, you hear it and you understand and you see it and you understand, but they hear it and they don't understand or they see something and they don't understand it. So he, he spoke in parables because yes, I understand you get it. And this might seem elementary to you, but they don't get it. And I'm trying every key that I have at every door to try unlock that understanding in them that there is a time that is coming and there is a decision that must be made in order for us to enter into the kingdom that he has prepared for us. And as hard as it is sometimes to think about the weeds being torn away from the tear or the tares being torn away from the good seed or the fish being separated and, you know, this talk, the opportunity is there. God is so faithful and he is providing every opportunity he can possibly provide in order for the people to get it. So he says, again, I tell you, again, I tell you, again, I tell you. Now, this passage of scripture, when it opens up in the literal translation, it says a net. It, the word is a dragnet. The picture is a huge and heavy net. A dragnet is not the show from the 60s, <laughs> although that's the only one my father knew. <laughs> I'm like, how many times a week does dragnet come on? Because it feels like it was on the TV every night. But it wasn't, but it wasn't, I'm assured. But this dragnet was heavy and it was weighty. And it wasn't one of those little nets that, you know, you lean out the side of the boat because you got a good fish and you lean out and you scoop that fish up. That wasn't this net. This net was weighted and it went all the way to the bottom. Got thrown out. This passage of scripture says everything was gathered into it. And there's something about the fact that he drops the net all the way to the bottom. Because let me tell you something, I've been there. I've lived on the bottom before. I've made decisions and choices in my life that separated me from him. I have made decisions and choices that caused me to be down and out or despondent or desperate. And in those moments, you know, there are times when you don't pursue him because the enemy comes to you to tell you, look how bad you are. Look how far you've fallen. Look how messed up you are. Understand something. This is so important, guys. If you get nothing else, when you get that, understand that there is an accuser of the brethren. Now, there are things that we do in our life that, yeah, we have to take accountability for. And I'm not negating that. We know when we've done wrong. But the enemy comes and his voice is accusatory. And he'll come and go, oh, you you and he'll hit all your bruises and he'll tell you, you know, you tried this before and it didn't work. Oh, and you failed. You can't walk back in there. They know what you've done. Recognize the voice. Recognize the voice. If it's beating you down, if it's tearing you apart, if it is accusing you without recourse, let me tell you something. God will bring correction in your life, but there's promise behind it. Every time, every single time God has brought correction into my life, it has been followed with a promise. And it sounds something like, if you will stop that, you need to stop. 
And when you do, I'm going to open this up for you. You understand if you will lay that down and trust me, I will deliver you from it. There's a promise behind God's correction. The enemy doesn't do that. When he does something like this, there's no promise behind it. He doesn't go, if you lay this down, then, the, then I'm going to move in in different. It's like, you are bad. I had the enemy hit me. I, I didn't mean to share this in first service, but that's just how it goes. Um, I, you know, I, I have felt like I recognize the enemy's voice in my life when he comes and um, and he, he doesn't hit me like he used to hit me, you know, with, with things like he used to. But just a few weeks ago, I had driven over to my son's house, over to Aaron's, and I was taking him some food uh, because not that Kate cooks for him all the time, but I just take a notion every once in a while and want to cook for my kids. And, and I know how I wishes I would cook for him, but... Um, <sighs> He'll be like, honey, are the kids coming over? <laughs> be like, hush and eat your hot dog. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say it if it was totally true. <laughs> I love you, baby. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. I went over to Aaron's house and I dropped off some food. I, had one, I think he'd been in the mood for some beans and cornbread and I made some and... Uh, Sorry, Pastor Wayne, I owe you next. Um, but it was the most random thing. I started to back out of the driveway. I saw him, I hugged his neck, I left the food. Everything was great. And I got about halfway out his driveway. And as clear as day, it, the enemy just went, you have been such a disappointment to him. And my heart broke. Because you know what? I know I've missed it as a parent. I know that there are things that I haven't gotten right. And I know that there are things that I had messed up. But man, it was like somebody just sucker punched me. And I started crying in his driveway. And I thought, God, I don't ever want to disappoint them. You know, Lord, I, 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 they know I love them like crazy. And, but I made it about three quarters out of the driveway. And all of a sudden I went, oh my gosh. <laughs> I know that voice. I know that voice. But that one second with that one voice hit every bruise that I have. It hit every one of those doubts that we have as parents to go, did I really mess them up? You know, maybe you're not at that phase yet, but you'll get, I mean, you know, I pray you don't. It's like, did I really do that, Lord? But every bruise, Aaron, I love you, buddy. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Anyway, I had not had him hit like that in a while. And I felt like, you know what? That's what he's doing to you, too. Some of you have made some um, choices in your life that have caused the enemy to just come and rise up and attack and hit. And I want you to leave here equipped to recognize the voice of the enemy and to understand that a price was paid for you so that you don't have to live in that. You don't have to believe that. You don't have to be a part of that. And that, like, it, it, it got me moving toward this decision that we make, whether we're going to be a believer or an unbeliever. And for some reason, I was thinking about a tract that 
Pastor Harvey loved to pass out, and and I had gotten those same tracks when I was young, and and it used to freak me right out because that was back when we knew that tracks would get you saved, and. Um, and so we would make them as harsh as possible, you know. And so this particular one was called This Is Your Life. I know that there was a show called that, so that's probably what they brought it from. But it's called This Is Your Life. And it opens with a man, you know, smoking a cigarette and having a drink because you know both of those things will send you to hell. And people who don't know me are going to go. <laughs> Pastor Ronnie's number is listed if you need to. Um, but this, the angel of death comes and they, he takes this guy and he's cut down in the prime of his life and, and he starts flying him toward heaven and, and the guy looks at the angel and says, heaven and hell are both on earth. I've believed this my whole life. And the angel's basically going, oh, you were mistaken. And uh, he says, you have an appointment. And the man's like, I don't have an appointment. And the angel's like, yes, you do. And so he takes him into this room and there is a screen. They have psychs in the Bible, by the way. And there's a screen about this size, and it says, this is your life. And it begins to play out the scenes of his life. And I was so mortified. I mean, because at 11 years old, you know the kind of sin I'd been into. (laughs) Okay, I might have dyed my sister's Barbie doll's legs purple, but... In my defense, she left their legs hanging in the pool water, so (laughs) things happen. Anyway, but that screen just mortified me because I thought, and they threw this scripture up there out of 1 Corinthians that says, there is nothing that will be hidden. Everything will be brought to light. And I thought, oh my Lord, Jesus, they're going to play all of it on the screens. And you know, all through life, and there's one portion where it starts to play and it shows the man, he's sitting in a church pew and the... And, the, and he looks over at the angel and he says, see, I'm, I'm good. I went to church. And then the next block shows what he was thinking about in church. <laughs> and it's like the ball game. And I wonder if roast is going to be good for dinner. And, you know, some of the things y'all are thinking about right now. And, uh, and I thought, oh, no, I'm even accountable for what I'm thinking when I'm sitting in church. I'm in so much trouble. Um, And then I found out that we get to choose a life. There's a second portion of this this thing that you really don't hardly even get to because all of the bad takes like two-thirds of the of the tract, and then there's one page of, but if you give your life to the Lord, and these are the passages of scripture, man, I want to major on the other. I want to major on the good because that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. His love for us was so great. His love for us was so great. You know, so often we like to think about... um, we think about the, the, the sacrifice that he made and we relegate it and it, it, we can somehow make it small and we sing about it and it doesn't quite connect the way that it should. And, and I felt like the Lord just kind of brought it home to me one time. I was thinking, you know, Lord, th- Jesus, thank you for the sacrifice you made. And, and I was attributing this thing to him and, and I felt like he just went, just sit here for a minute. Just sit here for a minute and think about what you're saying. I want you to think about this for a minute. And so for just a little while, I sat in the Lord's presence and I just thought about the sacrifice that he made. 
You know, so often we like to attribute human qualities to a holy God. And so if we feel one way, then he must surely feel that same way. But the Bible that I read says that his thoughts are higher and his ways are higher. And I know for a fact that what he feels is deeper and more grounded than what we do. And I was thinking, Lord, your word says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever would believe in him would have eternal life. For God loved the world that he gave his only son. I have two sons and a wonderful son-in-law. I have a daughter, have almost 11 grandchildren. I say 11, almost 11, because the other one's not quite here yet. And let me tell you something. I could no sooner sacrifice them for anybody. I would lay my life down for them in a heartbeat. I would not blink twice. And I would say, if you are a parent in this room, you know exactly what I'm saying. And see, God didn't love his son any less than you love yours. Just because he was holy and sovereign and bigger than we are didn't mean that his love was any less for Jesus or that Jesus' love for us. See, God loved us. God loved you so much, so much that he gave his son. He gave his son to die for you. So that when that day comes and the weeds are taken away from the wheat or the fish are divided or whatever the case may be on that day, you have made the decision that you are going to be in that party that enjoys homecoming. Homecoming. I had that playing in my office all week and I couldn't help, I just, I can see it, this homecoming. And and so now when you take it in that context, if I had taken my child, my child, and thrown them across the flames so that you could pass over and you chose to ignore that sacrifice, then that's your choice. I've given everything I have in order for you to cross over. Jesus has given everything that he has in order for you to cross over and to be a part of that homecoming. Because let me tell you something, it is going to happen. It is going to happen. A couple of weeks ago, I went home and, and Hal and I usually discuss, you know, he always says something kind about, you know, the teaching or something like that. And he went, well, you just went tapped right back into those Pentecostal roots, didn't you? And I must have looked at him mean because he went in a good way. And, uh, and I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you just started talking about the sky splitting and... Jesus returning, and all of those things. And, and I thought, yeah. And then right behind it, I thought, when did we stop? When did we stop talking about heaven? When did we stop talking about that hope and that promise of a homecoming day? Because it is going to happen. 
It is going to happen. When did we stop? And see, the Lord took me on like, Lord, why did we stop? I know now the most popular teaching you can do is let's talk about your gifts. Let's talk about your abilities and where you fit in the kingdom instead of talking about the kingdom itself. You know what I mean? It's like you put a sign out there that says prophecy conference, you will fill it up. But let's, <laughs> let's talk about saving souls conference, ribbit, 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 because we want to hear about ourselves. But you know what? We need to hear about him. Scripture says, in, in Psalms 96, I believe, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And the purpose that the enemy has, I believe fully, in removing the teaching about eternity, removing the teaching about the church being uh, reunited with the Father, I believe the enemy does that because he wants the hope to go away. I don't think he wants us to have that hope. I was talking with my sister a few weeks ago when I went to visit her and uh, Terry's in her 60s and she works full time and uh, she's my oldest sister and I, and I love her like crazy and she just made a comment. She said, you know, I have to always have a trip planned. I have to have an event planned, you know, something to look forward to because it allows me to get up every day and do what I do and go do what I do when I have something to look forward to. And I thought, we need that in the kingdom. We need that in the kingdom. Yes, yes, every day on the earth is a blessing. As mama said, every day above ground is a good one. But the thing about it is, is, is if you lose the hope of eternity, if you lose the goal of stepping across and seeing those loved ones, if you lose that, then everything can kind of become a drudgery. We all need to, to know that there's a bigger vision and that there's a bigger invitation. I want to see my mom again. I know she's busy. I know she's doing things. I want to see her again. I want to be able to step across and see all of these people who have gone before that I love, who poured out their lives for the Lord. And I believe the Lord's going to let us do that. I want to tell you guys, if you, I don't recommend books much. Uh, and I'm not saying that it's the be all end all. But in 1880, a current work, <laughs> in 1880, Pastor Wayne would love this, um, Rebecca Ruder Springer wrote a book, and it's called Intramuros. And she was extremely sick, and they thought she was dying, but she comes back and she writes this story. And whether or not it's true, whether or not it is uh, an accounting of, I know, I believe it's an accounting of, of her experience. I'm not saying it's gospel, but what I am saying, there's a picture painted here. There are images, there are ideals, there are things that ex will expand your spirit and cause you to hope and look toward the mo just the most fantastical uh, image imagery and understanding you know, I've read it a few times and it rings true in my spirit. I've never been there, but I encourage you, if you want to stir up the hope on the inside of you regarding your future, regarding what the Lord has for you, I highly recommend Intramuros by Rebecca Ruder Springer. You can go back and look that up just because I think it's powerful.
Proverbs 13, 12. I know this much. I know that the Lord, that was the scripture that I wanted you to get, Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But then in 1 Corinthians 4, I just wanted to read this to you. I'm going to bring the praise team up. We're not going to stay a long time today. Because <laughs> the praise team's like out in the lobby sucking back the coffee. And <laughs> it's like we got 13 seconds to get in. See, here's the thing. I believe over time, Christians just became so hard on each other. It's like we had pure, pure motives and we wanted to teach the right things and we wanted people to find Jesus and we were trying to shove them through holes that they didn't fit into. You know, we were trying to convince you of all of the right things you need in order to receive grace and mercy. And grace and mercy are enough. And what Jesus did was enough. And so I don't want to frighten anybody into, into away from hell. I, don't, I just, that's not the Jesus that I know. That's not the God that I know. And the most beautiful thing the Lord did was, you know, in going back and looking at that passage of Scripture, like I said, when they were doing the tracks and that video was playing and it was saying, um, everything will be exposed. There's nothing hidden that will not come to light, you know, and I'm taking it to this deep, dark place going, God, please don't expose me. God, please. And even as a grown-up going, God, just your mercy and grace. I remember Bishop Tudor saying, I am so grateful for every single time that the Lord has restored me in the privacy of my own mind. I am so grateful. But you see, here's the thing. We get it wrong. We get it wrong. We walk in, in, in condemning everybody and judging everybody and, and with this ideal or motive that we're going to somehow change them and make them worthy of the kingdom, worthy of the sacrifice. Let me tell you something, guys. None of us, none of us will ever be worthy. None of us will ever be good enough. But we have a, a God who made a way for us. And he didn't make a way for us so that he could expose us or destroy us or defeat us or, or accuse us. That's not what he's doing. And the most wonderful thing, it made me so mad at tract creators. This same passage of scripture, it says, It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in the darkness and will expose men's hearts. But see, that's where they stopped. That's where they stopped. But Jesus didn't stop there. They left the whole second part of that verse out. It says, at that time, each will receive his praise from God. Each will receive his praise from God. 
See, because he's not up there waiting to stomp you. He's not up there waiting to point out your sins or waiting to point out your failures. He is going to search men's hearts and he is going to expose the wonderful, praiseworthy things that you have done. That's a whole different story. And that's a whole different God than the one that I saw in that tract. This God... The God in these pages tells me that he's going to see the good. The God in this page casts my sins as far as the east is from the west. The God that I see here doesn't want to have to separate the wheat from the weeds. The God that I see wants to go, ah, oh, James, you did a great job. Man, you did so good with that. Justin, the way that you're teaching your kids, man, that's on point. You did so good with that. Chelsea, the way that you loved your sister, the way that you walked through your friend through the valley of the shadow of death, well done. See, that's the God that I know. And that's the God that so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's the promise that we have. And there's another promise that we see in Revelations 22. Behold, I am coming soon. Behold, I am coming soon. And then listen, it says, Behold, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates of the city. Behold, he is coming soon. He is coming soon. He is coming soon. God is not a liar. He finishes what he starts. He completes every work that he begins. And he who began this work in you will complete it. Behold, he is coming soon. He is coming soon. Father God, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for the hope and the promise that we find there. I thank you, Lord, that you are not a man that you should lie. But, Father, you are going to do everything you've said. You will do every jot and every tittle. Every single thing in the Word will be fulfilled because you are who you are. You are I am. And I thank you, Father, that you do not change. And so, Father, I thank you for this moment and this opportunity in the room. I thank you, Lord, that the net has gone out. I thank you, Father, that you are drawing those in today. 
I thank you for the hope, Father God, that you will come back for us, for that homecoming, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand. And you know what? There might be some who need to just talk to the Lord. There might be some that need to cement that that decision that you've made between believing and, and not believing. I want you to know the altar space is open. The rest of us are going to worship. We're going to talk about and sing about the goodness of God. And if you need to find a place and do some business with the Lord, I encourage you today to do that. And if you need prayer, we can pray with you. Let's just worship.